Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 16th of November. There are grave fears for two people still missing in floodwaters in the central west of New South Wales, with the threat far from over, especially for the town of Forbes. A man and a woman, both from Yugara, are still unaccounted for after devastating floods swept through the town earlier this week, decimating most local homes, properties and belongings. As Saskia Channing reports, a massive clean-up is now beginning in some areas, but Forbes is in the firing line. That's right, Tash. The town is sadly all too familiar with flooding, but this latest disaster is on track to be the worst in decades. The Lachlan River could reach 10.8 metres today, the highest level in 70 years. Now, as you mentioned, there are grave fears for two people missing in Yagara. The search will resume this morning for 60-year-old Diane Smith and 85-year-old Les Vujek, who haven't been seen for nearly two days. Their town has been left completely devastated. Local MP Andrew G says only three homes escaped damage. The police I was speaking to have said that it is Lismore-like in its devastation. That's what they're comparing it to. And adding to the heartbreak, Tash, it's since emerged many of the residents of Yugara don't have flood insurance. That's because the premiums are upwards of 30 to 40 grand. Also making news this Wednesday, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says talks with the Chinese president overnight were positive and constructive. The leaders reportedly met for around half an hour on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Bali with the war in Ukraine, climate change and human rights among the key talking points. Mr Albanese says yesterday's one-on-one was an important step in moving forward in the relationship. There are many steps, of course, that we are yet to take and I have said consistently we'll cooperate where we can, disagree where we must and act in the national interest. Meantime, in breaking news this morning, a concerning development in the ongoing war with Ukraine. Senior US intelligence officials have this morning confirmed Russian missiles have hit a village in Poland, killing at least two people. It comes as Russia launched another missile offensive against Ukraine, with two of the rockets reportedly hitting the NATO member Poland near the border with Ukraine. It's understood leaders are now discussing a crisis situation. Novak Djokovic will be welcomed back to Australia in January for the Oz Open after his three-year ban on entering the country was overturned and a visa granted. As James Lake reports from Melbourne, it's set to be a huge boost for the upcoming Open. It was a circus the Australian Open didn't really need back at the start of this year, Tash. Novak Djokovic putting up a fight over his vaccination status while wanting to play in the Grand Slam. It ended with the star being deported and the federal court upheld the decision to cancel his visa on health and good order grounds after deeming his presence here could stoke anti-vaccine sentiment and threaten to undermine the nation's COVID-19 response. The world number eight was also unable to compete in this year's US Open because of his vac status. Today's Herald Sun has confirmed, though, Canberra will revoke his ban and grant him a visa to play, with the announcement also very welcome news to Tennis Australia. As COVID cases continue to spike across the country amid a fourth wave, some good news with the nation's chief medical officer confident we're nearing the peak. 
It comes as Paul Kelly and Health Minister Mark Butler yesterday announced a new Omicron-targeted vaccine will be rolled out for Australian adults as their third and fourth booster. ATAGI has decided against recommending a fifth dose for most people based on international evidence. Mr Kelly says while COVID cases are up 47% just over the past week, we're still below the winter peak. If it ends up being similar to Singapore, and I believe it will, um, then it should uh, peak soon and drop quickly. Russian hackers have flagged they will be watching today's Medibank shareholders meeting very closely. The hackers keep releasing customers' private medical data on the dark web, with the health insurer refusing to pay any ransom demands. Economist Tim Hardcourt says the company is definitely in for a financial hit in the fallout of the cyber attack, regardless of a ransom. Yeah, well, the fines are going to be substantial, but even repairing the damage. Uh, and I know that George Newhouse, uh, you know, prominent Sydney lawyer, has talked about a class action because at the end of the day, look, it's not just people's names and emails. This is their private medical information. And the Maritime Union has slammed a decision by the nation's largest tugboat company to lock out employees from Friday. Switzer will lock the gates to 17 ports after years of escalating pay disputes, which could threaten supply chains in the lead-up to Christmas. National Secretary Paddy Crumlin says it's an abuse of power. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, as we mentioned earlier, very important meeting overnight between our PM and the Chinese leader. Of course, relationships with China are very important moving forward, not only for international stability, but also for our multi-billion dollar trade industry. Josh, good morning. You've absolutely nailed it. That's exactly what's going on. I, I do often, when I'm the finance guy, I want to say, you know what, there are more important things than money going on right now. I think that's absolutely true. But there also is that billion or so dollars, which is, you know, not, not a small amount of money. Uh, and it is really, really important to the Australian economy, particularly given that we know we're moving into tougher economic times. If we can restart some trade with China, a really, really important time, put a few dollars back into the economy, that'd make a massive, massive difference. Everything from wine to seafood, uh, plenty of others besides these, about a dozen different commodities industries that have had just prohibitive tariffs slapped on them over the past five or six years. It does feel like a thawing, doesn't it? I was a little bit concerned there might be a bit of a rope-a-dope going on the Chinese that invite us and rebuff us, but it seems like the meeting went well. It seems like everything is going on the right in the right direction. Whether we see sudden or, or meaningful changes to those tariffs and embargoes, we'll see over time, but it's got to be better than not having the meeting at all, so hopefully a positive step forward. And Scott, interesting comments from the Commonwealth boss, Matt Common. He says mm. he thinks the economy can handle higher interest rates. He must have a good deal with the banks, some may say. <laughs> As, of course, CBA reports a bumper profit. So let's do the last bit first, then we'll get back to Matt Common. 13% increase, $2.5 billion dollars. By the way, that's in one quarter. Annualise that, you get a very nice round number of $10 billion. Whether that comes true over the next three quarters will depend on whether Matt Common's right. Look, you know, corporate CEOs tend to be positive. No one wants to go out there and say, actually, you know what, things are going to be terrible. I don't really earn my money and maybe replace me with somebody else. They've got to say, you know what, I think I'm doing a good job. I think everything will be fine. I'm trying to run the bank the best way possible. And I don't mean to be overly cynical. That's kind of just built into corporate leaders. That's how they get the job. That's why they're there. And you've got to be optimistic. But we all hope he's right. And talking about rates, the Reserve Bank has been under a lot of criticism recently about getting its prediction with interest rates very, very wrong, which has played Mm. out in the market. And the Reserve Mm. Bank has admitted to making mistakes. 
Yeah, spectacularly wrong, as, as we well know. They didn't expect to have to increase rates until 2024. You know what? The bigger issue, well, two things. Firstly, they shouldn't be giving forecasts out that far. Nobody knows, and I think the folly is pretending. I think when you're a smart person, you're in charge of something like the Reserve Bank or, by the way, the Commonwealth Bank, you tend to think your uh, opinions matter more or maybe you have a better insight into it. I think we know over the last couple of years that's clearly not the case. But also, the RBA making that forecast and saying it out loud really made people believe that was the, almost a guarantee or a promise. It never was given that way, but they also didn't correct the record. Hopefully, they learned that lesson. They said in future, they're not going to be as quantitative. In other words, not going to give us absolute numbers, but what they're going to be is more qualitative. They're going to tell us how they're thinking, how they're seeing the economy, the sorts of challenges and pressures and opportunities the economy might present. I think that's actually a smart thing to do. I think they've learned their lesson, hopefully. Then again, economic memories tend to be a little bit too short. All about spin. Thanks so much, Scott. <laughs> it always is. Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett. The Matildas have ended their 2022 campaign in style while the Socceroos have injury concerns with the FIFA Men's World Cup starting next week. Yes, good morning, Tash. Let's start with our women's side playing on the Central Coast last night. They've hit a purple patch of form. Their last game for the year, they've got their FIFA Women's World Cup uh, next year on home soil. Tony Gustafsson, who at one point during the year was definitely uh, under some pressure, results not going their way. They now have a settled lineup. They've beaten the likes of uh, Sweden and now Thailand last night 2-0 although the scoreline should have been much bigger they had 31 shots on goal Haley Razo uh, hit the post three times then found the back of the net as did Sam Kerr and the coach told 10 they should have scored more the conversion rate was the big thing I think we were there I think we performed well especially in the first half and we should have been maybe 4-5-0 up if you look at conversion and X, XG I think we should have been up more now the Socceroos have flown a standby player over to Qatar ahead of the FIFA Men's World Cup starting next week. They've got France on Wednesday morning. Melbourne City midfielder Marco Tilio has joined the squad amid doubt over the fitness of winger Martin Boyle, while Socceroos legend Harry Kuehl has criticised the decision not to include Tom Rogic. So overall, the squad for me, it's okay, and hopefully it's, it's enough to get something and do us proud while we're over there and watching. Harry speaking to SBS there. And also this morning, we've got Travis Head getting the first crack at replacing Aaron Finch in the Aussie one-day side, Brett. Yeah, Finch, of course, has retired from uh, the 50-over format, uh, still going potentially in the T20 arena. He'll play the Big Bash, then make a decision about uh, whether he represents Australia still. But in the one-day side, we've got England tomorrow night in Adelaide, so not a lot of rest there for the English after winning the T20 World Cup. They are back in action. So Head will partner David Warner at the top of the order, but won't be letting the pressure get to him. I get the chance to be at the top, which is nice. White ball comes on best. Um, you get yourself, get a chance to, to bat the full 50 over and um, looking forward to that chance. Pat Cummins will skip at the ODI side for the first time. And in the WBBL, the Renegades made light work of Sydney Thunder, setting them to the bottom of the table in Canberra last night. The bowling unit skittled them for just 95. In response, Hayley Matthews smashed an unbeaten 46 to target chase down with 34 balls and eight wickets to spare Tash. And Brett, we're getting more details about the Brownlow betting scandal. Yeah, of course, an umpire and three other men were arrested this week following suspicious activity on this year's Brownlow medal. It's alleged the bets were placed on more than 10 of the 16 games that particular umpire officiated in this season. The Age also reports that it was points bet who alerted the AFL to betting irregularities despite bets, bets being placed across multiple agencies. So they thought they could get away with it by placing smaller bets. 
and multiple gambling companies, but obviously the AFL was alerted to that and uh, now these arrests have been made. And I'm sure the fallout is set to continue. Brett, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Tash. And the nominees for this year's Grammy Awards have dropped in the US. Beyonce is the most nominated artist in Grammy's history, breaking the record of husband Jay-Z, while Taylor Swift is now the most nominated female artist in the Song of the Year category. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.